This is Matt. I'm the lead pastor at Westminster Baptist Church. Thanks for engaging God's word with us. My prayer for you is that this would be supplemental to your discipleship journey. Uh, If we can connect you with a local church or discipleship group, uh, please contact us at info at discoverwbc.com. Amen. I want you to walk away knowing that God's mercy strengthens our hope with a guardian, that you have an inheritance in heaven that is far greater than the things in this world. Uh, The temporary pleasures of this world are nothing compared to the inheritance, and therefore God has given you a guardian to prepare you for that time when God will give you and lavishly uh, bless you with his inheritance in heaven. So this morning we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 12. And see what God has for us here in this passage. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Kept in heaven for you. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials, so that the proving character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which though perishable by fire, uh, is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you though not seeing Him now, you believe in Him, and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that would come to you searched and carefully investigated. They inquired into what time or what circumstances the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating when He testified in advance to the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. These things have now been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Angels long to catch a glimpse of these things. Have you ever asked, like, can you lose your salvation? Have you ever been in that spot where it's like, can I, can I lose my salvation? You ask that question. I get this uh, very often in church. Um, people come to, uh, I'm sure, Glenn, you've had that question before. Uh, we get this so often in church. I want to uh, do as I've done before. I want to kind of shift the question. I want to help you think through that differently. Instead of asking, can I lose my salvation? I want you to ask this. Did Jesus promise me new life in eternity for heaven? And will Jesus help me do good rather than evil on earth? Because that really is what it comes down to. People often ask, can I lose my salvation by what I do? Like I've done these things, I feel like I might lose my salvation. Or what if this person does this, are they too far gone? All of these questions come up and and they, they all become, what about me and what I've done? But we have to remember something. Your salvation was never based on what you did. It was always based on what He did. Your salvation's not about you. It's about Jesus and what He has done for you, the mercy that He's extended to you. So when you look at verse 1, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because of what? Not because of what you've done. The, the next part says you've been given a guardian, an inheritance. But if you don't come here first, you'll think that guardian and inheritance is uh, wavering. You can have it and not have it. You can uh, believe in it, and then for a moment it can be taken away from you. But if you back up for just a second, we realize that it's not because of our great actions, but because of His great mercy that He has given us new birth into a living hope. 
And so I want you this morning to know that you have a living hope with Christ. There's hope for you. If you're asking the question of can you lose your salvation, I want you to pause for a moment and think through this in a different way. The solution to your evil was never your good, but the solution has and always will be Jesus. So can you lose your salvation or will Jesus guard you today? When you wake up in the morning, I don't want you to think, you know, based on what I've done, am I going to struggle again? Am I going to lose my salvation? Does Jesus still love me? Is it, will the church still accept me? All those different things. I want you to think different. I want you to ask yourself this. Will God guard me today? Will God guard me today? Is He protecting me? Sometimes, you know, we feel like we've gone too far, and, and I want to ask you, you know, where did, where's Jesus not willing to go? Show me where he's not willing to go because he came into the middle of an earth that was broken. Came into the middle of an earth that was full of, of, of the worst of sin. And he went right in the middle of it, not to the perfect people, but to those who were struggling, those who were full of disease, those who were sinners, those who uh, wanted, were full of sin, he, they would invite him over to his house and he'd go. Like he went right to the heart of struggle. That's where you find Jesus. And so why would we think today that our guardian is not with us right in the middle of the most difficult seasons of our life? Your guardian is with you. Your God is with you. So stop, we've got to stop asking the question. I have to stop asking the question. We have to stop asking the question. Can I lose my salvation? Start asking a different question. Will Jesus guard us today? You see, can I lose my salvation is out of fear. Jesus guarding me today is out of recognition that he's the only one that can guard me. It's honor. It's respect. And so I want you, man, I hope that you're so encouraged as you walk away today knowing that you can have a living hope in this life because you have a guardian in this life. You can believe that there's inheritance coming for you in this life because you know that there's a guardian with you in this life. That he's going to protect you until that day when all glory and praise and honor is being lavished over you by the God of the universe because of the proven character of your life. And when that glory and honor and praise is being poured over you, you can look back and go, it wasn't me, it wasn't what I did, it was the guardian that was with me. It was Jesus Christ pouring out his Holy Spirit into my life and protecting me until this day that I can be recognized as his son. So you have a living hope. For these people it mattered because it was imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Imperishable means it did not perish. Like everything in their life was perishing and defiled and unfading. Uh, around these Christians in the first century that uh, Peter is writing to, they experienced death, they experienced disease, they experienced all these things while watching stuff that we can preserve uh, fade away quicker than we usually let them fade away. Like they would see uh, good things go away and come and go away and come and life expectancy was so short and we expect life expectancy to be so long and all of these things would fade away so fast. You have these Christians in, during this time experiencing suffering, grief, uh, loss, death, pain, all of these things and going, why am I experiencing this? Remember, the inheritance that is in front of you is far greater than the pain that is behind you. The inheritance in front of you is far greater than the things we have in this world. So, and living hope starts to make imperishable things uh, look much more valuable than perishable things. Uh, undefiled things much, uh, much more valuable than defiled things. Uh, we start to want good things rather than evil things. We start to want things that don't fade away rather than things that are fading in this world. You see, don't source your joy and hope from things that die. 
Right? Don't source your joy and hope from things that are perishable or are defiled or fading. Source your joy and hope from things that are eternal. In other words, as Scripture would tell us, set our mind on things above, not on earthly things. Or dwell on these things, as Philippians tells us. We've got to set our mind on things of heaven, not on earth, because those are where things that are eternal remain, and things on earth are perishable. So you have a living hope, something hoping for something that is coming. But again, something that is hoping for something must understand that you have protection until it. Right? You need to be protected until you can get it. It's like somebody telling you, if you go across the world to another country, there is a, uh, let's say, $2 million uh, waiting for you. But what you have to do is you have to cross over the sea, and you have to get there. Uh, there's a great storm, there's uh, some difficulty, and you can't use a plane. You start to think through those things, and you're like, dude, I don't think I can make it. I understand how the value of it, but I don't think I can get there. That's too hard for me. Brothers and sisters, what this passage is telling you is, it may feel difficult what you're facing now, and it may feel hard to get to that inheritance that God has promised you, but God is with you, and He is protecting you until that inheritance. Don't give up. Don't back down. Don't get weary. God is with you. So we have a living hope. We also have a living guardian. God's power, it says. Look in uh, verses one through, uh, sorry, 3 through um, uh, 5 here. God, you are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. All right? You are being guarded by God's power. You ever wonder, like, I know as parents you do this, right? Do you ever wonder, like, can I, can I take... Can I take care of my kids? Can I hold my kids? Can I protect my kids? Can I help them not do wrong? And you feel so uh, powerless when they choose to do what is wrong. And it's like, man, why can't I do this? We can't impose our inability to protect and to provide power for our children on God. God's power is so infinitely greater than ours, and we need to tap into that, recognize that God's power is so greater than ours, then we're not calling upon our own strength the strength of our parents, the strength of our children, or the strength of our friends to be our sole source of power, but rather we're calling upon God to give us strength to endure temptations and trials, suffering, and grief in this world. So now it looks different. It's not like, man, this is all on me. I've got to figure this out. I've got to be you know, stronger. I've got to be tough. I've got <clears> to <throat> make sure I do everything right. It's not, you start going, it's not about I. It's not about me. It's about we, me and God and those that he puts around me and the spirit that he puts within me. And now all of a sudden I recognize I got God's power in me to make it to an inheritance, to make it to the time that God gives us what he's been planning for us. So you have a living hope, you have a living guardian. Look, don't be foolish enough to think that the devil isn't trying to rob you of life. Are you all with me in this series? Like since Easter, we've been talking about what it looks like to live. I want you to know what it looks like to live today, to be, to be raised up from death into life and to actually live today. But I don't want you to think that as you, some of you, I mean, I, I know many of you come, have come to me, called me, texted me, emailed me, and you said, man, I want to know how to live today. But I, I want to I give you a pause just a second. Just because you say, I want to know how to live, doesn't mean that the enemy's not still trying to still kill and destroy your life. John 10, 10, I've come, uh, or sorry, uh, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I've come that you have my, may have life and have it abundantly. Don't think that a moment you're like, man, God, just help. I want to live. 
you can just like shed all the temptations and the sin, and they're all just going to go away. No, that the enemy wants to rob you of life. But here's the truth. Just because the enemy wants to rob you of life, and we know that the devil is always out to attack you, remember that God is guarding you. And if we can believe with living hope and living guardian that our God is more powerful than our own strength or our parents' strength or our friends' strength or our children's strength, if we can believe that God's power is greater, then we can know that our God's strength is greater than the enemy. And I'll take those odds. And I want you to find life. I want you to find hope. I want you to find this guardian because I want you to know that as much as the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy, God has given you life. So I want you to know what it looks like to live today, to thrive today, to find hope and healing in your friendships and with your children and with your marriages and with your co-workers and with this world. I want you to know what it looks like to live, but it starts with understanding the inheritance that God has given you. Here's why. Because this passage gives us an understanding of what temporary grief or suffering or pain looks like compared to eternal glory. Look at verse 5 with me. In verse 5, uh, uh, it says, um, uh, if, you, if you suffer grief in various trials so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which though perishable is refined by fire. Alright, so here's the temporary, gold. Here's the eternal, proven character. But we have to go within us to, to discover, do we believe that truth? Do you believe that proven character is of greater value than gold in this earth? And you got to pause and take a step back because we are filled with things that would make us think otherwise. Now look, I don't want to knock anybody this morning, all right? I'm not knocking marketers out there. If you're a marketer, you're doing what you got to do to get people to get what they need to get. And honestly, some of you out there in market are so wonderful and good because you connect people from what they have to what they need. But I'm not so sure Apple's in the same world as you. Are you guys with me? No offense if anybody works with Apple. I'm just saying, have you ever seen an Apple commercial? Like iPhone commercial? What does it always say? Faster. Better camera. Guys, have you ever thought about if Apple would like put out a... No offense. Please don't take me down. <laughs> um, have you ever thought about if Apple like put out something they were just like, we've got a new, ca- a new phone out. It's slower and it has a worse camera on it. <laughs> Like, what? Who who would make a slower phone? Who would make a worse? <laughs> yeah, that's actually true. I don't know who said that, but that's so true. Uh, um, but yeah, like you feel like you need it because it's like, well, that's faster. It takes better pictures. Got to have it. You know, and there's some reasons that I know people need it, like if to do their job with cameras and faster. I understand there's apps that you need to... Look, I'm not knocking on you. Here's what I want you to know, though. Every single thing in this world is going to make you think you need something else to be happy. Like, that's, that's marketing's ploy. It's our world's ploy to you. That you need more to make you happy. Men? Brothers, I'm going to be real with you. You don't need something else to make you happy. If you think that, like, when they put that commercial up there and it's like 0% APR for that, you know, whatever, it's coming out, and you're like, or 2% APR, whatever it is, you're like, this is going to make me happy. It's not. Look, you could get in a car wreck in that thing. That thing could get hit by a tree. Uh... Uh, it could break down like my truck. <laughs> you know, you have all these different things. They cannot be your source of joy. 
Now, here's the thing, though. You've got to wrestle with this in this moment because I want you to hear this again. Do you believe that God's inheritance for you is of far greater value than the gold that's in this world? And by gold, I mean anything that you put in place of gold. It could be your house. Look, I I said this before, and Glenn, I'll say it again. In a funeral, I don't think I have ever heard anyone say, get up at the podium, and they're like, you know, talking about somebody. 30, 40 funerals. I don't know how many I've done. I've never heard anyone say, well, I just really loved how huge their house was. I may have heard, and I don't think I have, but I may have heard somebody say they had a sweet car. But I don't think I've ever heard it. Here's what you hear. You hear them talk about how great a person they were. Because at the end of the day, it's not about the house that you have. It's not about the car that you drive. It's about who you are. And so men, women, children, teenagers, as you formulate in your mind, you're thinking through what you want, you're thinking through what you desire, I hope that you will, uh, you will desire your inheritance in heaven far greater than things in this world. Things in this world are temporary. Things of God are eternal. Can you imagine getting to heaven and hearing what it says in this passage? That the praise and the glory and the honor are going to be poured out upon you because of your proven character? Does anybody feel like they should walk into, you know, come up into heaven and be like lavished with this stuff? I feel like I need to come up in heaven like dodging, like, like Lord, like it's only because of Him, <laughs> you know. Like I'm, I feel like I'm going to be coming into heaven not like, yeah, I got this figured out. I did it. Did you see what I did? I feel like I'm going to walk into heaven being like, I know what He did. That's why I'm here. And it's okay. Like I hope we're all in that boat because if you're not, I think you're in the wrong place, Right? I hope that you all understand that when we get into heaven, we're going to be like, it's what he did. But can you imagine that moment when Jesus looks at us and pours out praise, glory, and honor upon us? <laughs> like, and it's only because he's given us a guardian, the Holy Spirit, to be in our lives to protect us with proving character over time so that one day we can stand before the throne of God and actually be declared to have proven character because he guarded us. Like, that's what I long for. That is so much greater than having a house, a car, a phone, uh, money in the bank, or whatever it is you have, or whatever it is I have. And I want to know that you believe that this morning. Like, I need to, church, are y'all with me? Like, do you believe that your proving character is far greater than the gold that you have? Somebody lift up a hand, somebody rejoice, somebody say amen, like something. I want to know, church, we, look, here's why this is so important. If you don't believe that, the proving character part isn't going to happen. You got to know that the inheritance is far greater than what you have right now or the proven character starts to slide. Because why? Why would I want to devote my life to God? Why would I want to go through the suffering and trials? Why would I want to not pursue the American dream? Why would I want to give up all those values that America has? Why would I want to sacrifice those pleasures at the altar of Christ? Why would I want to put those things down before the cross? Why would I want to give up all that for nothing? But then all of a sudden you realize that in front of you is everything, and behind you, all that is perishable, defiled, and fading. If it's not eternal, then it's perishable. If it's not in heaven, then it's perishable. And now you start to look through your life and you go, okay, what is eternal? What does God have for heaven? What about creation is not going to be destroyed by fire? What it's going to maintain throughout? 
Like those people whom are around you that, are, that have faith, that are uh, following after God, that are going to eternally be with you in heaven, those people that you're surrounded with, you start to cherish them a little bit more. You start to look at your faith as a little bit more precious. You start to look at your faith and character and go, man, this is what I have that's going to live on into eternity. My soul matters, not just my flesh. My flesh matters, not just my soul. Everything has value that's going to be in eternity. And if I'm going to live in eternity, that matters. So I want to protect this body that my God has given me and this mind that God has given me and my heart that God has given me. I want to protect these things. And you start to look at everything and go, okay, well, I'm not taking this into heaven, so it better not bring me joy. Temporary. Things of this world, eternal. Praise, glory, and honor. Temporary. And now salvation. Look at verses 10 through 12. The prophets are waiting for the time that they're going to preach about Jesus and they're going to preach to their culture, this culture that we're talking about in First Peter, and to our culture. That the gospels for all, salvation can be heard and responded to by all people. But it's a temporary. It's announcing the salvation. But there's going to be a moment where that salvation is actually realized in your life. Where all those things that God has promised in your life, like perfection and no tears and no pain and no suffering and no grief and no trials and nobody attacking you and nobody trying to hurt you and nobody tearing down your friends and your family and your job, nobody tearing down you, nobody hurting you, nobody trying to break you, no enemy trying to steal, kill, and destroy. Like, does that not sound good? And you think about all those things, you're like, they're announcing that, and that's coming. The temporary, we can preach it. In the future, it's coming. And I'm not going to forget that it's coming. So what we speak now, what I preach now, I'm preaching over you, it's 10 through 12, but we know that in verse 5 through 9, the goal of your faith, salvation, is eternal. The goal of your faith, inheritance, it's eternal, it's imperishable, it's undefiled, it's unfading, it's eternal. So I challenge you this morning as we move into a little bit more practical, how can you apply this in your life? Don't do anything in this life that could rob you of life. Don't do anything in your life that could rob you of life today. Don't do anything in your life that can rob you of that, uh, that inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Protect it. Let God protect it. My heart breaks in this. I know, I've known this for years, Glenn. We worked through this with Pastor Bill for others. My heart breaks that in this morning I know there are children, teens, and adults that are contemplating doing something that could destroy their life that God has given them. I don't know if it's a few of you. I don't know if it's all of us. I don't know, I don't know those exact numbers statistics-wise. But I, what I do know is the enemy is here to still kill and destroy. And that he wants to rob you of life. And if that is true, then I know that every day we need to wake up with a different attitude. We need to, we need to shift our mindset. We need to come away from that idea that we're going to let the devil, the enemy, come against us and steal us and rob us of life and we need to replace those temporary pleasures that he's, that he's feeding into us of, of the things that, of excess like food, money, sex, uh, uh, any other temptation that you might have today. We need to shed those things as temporary pleasures and recognize the eternal uh, inheritance that is coming. If you want life, you need to first believe that your integrity is of far greater value than your money. Y'all with me? If you want life, 
If you want to know what it looks like to live, you've got to believe this. I want you to walk away believing this, that your integrity is of far greater value than your money because you are not carrying that money into eternity. And your kids and your grandkids will not care how much money you have. They will care who you are. I, I, I say this often. I will remind you because parents, I want to light a fire within you. Children, teenagers, young adults, students, I want to light a fire within you. Because when you are 18 years old, it's not going to matter. It's not going to matter what, how awesome your kid was at sports, what car they drove, how smart they were, what level in their class they were, what school they got accepted into. None of that will matter. What will matter is who they are. I've seen it time and time again. Your kids can have everything in the world, but if who they are, but who they are will cause you more pain than what they have. And if we can live with that idea even with us as children of God, we'll kind of understand a little bit more why God wants us to enter into heaven with praise, glory, and honor. He doesn't care what you have or what you drive. He doesn't care how much money you've made or what status you attain. What he cares about is who you are. So if we miss this, if we get this backwards, we'll miss what God's doing in our life. Your integrity is a far greater, your proving character is a far greater value than your money. And that will help us understand that your inheritance is far greater than anything you own on earth. I think what this awareness does for you in your life is that you guard your heavenly inheritance more than your worldly inheritance. Anybody in this room, like, think about it. Are you protecting what you have more than protecting who you are? Do you work harder at your job or who you are? Do you work harder at making money or raising your children or raising or helping your brother or sister in Christ or investing in your family? or investing in your friends, what do you give more weight to in this world? It'll show you what you love. Guard your heavenly inheritance more than your worldly inheritance. If you value the things of this world more than the things of heaven, then you're building a home on earth rather than living as an exile. And remember how this book begins. You are chosen exiles, sanctified and forgiven by God. And if we're chosen exiles, we've got to stop building our kingdoms on earth and recognizing that they're in heaven. So let's put this into practical action this morning. I want you to ask four questions. Do you own anything that God can't use? Do you do anything that God won't use? Do you love anything more than God? And do you want anything more than God has given you? I found, I've refined these questions over the years. I found these four questions to be central in how you understand a Christ-like life. And it, it's critical to look at your life and go, okay, is there anything in my life that I have that I'm not willing to give over to God? 
if you're not willing to give it over to God, like let it go, then you're trying to bring it into eternity. And, and you can't bring things into eternity that aren't meant for eternity. You can't get joy from temporary things because they were never meant to give you eternal joy. Maybe temporary, maybe for a fleeting moment, but not long term. And so we put everything before the Lord and says, this is yours, do with it what you want, because I don't need it to be my source of joy and happiness in this world. You, you look at everything you do and you put it before the Lord. One of my favorite things, I talked to uh, one of my good friends in the second service about this on Thursday nights. One of my favorite things to do, I get to go coach my daughter in soccer. Ah, I, this is one of my, I enjoy this probably, um, maybe it's one of my favorite things to do, honestly. And the reason is, is because, one, I get to be, get to be with my daughter and invest in her. But two, it's, a, it's an awesome ministry in the city. I typically do ministry in the church. I love to be able to do ministry in the city, and that's an opportunity for me to be able to do that with my daughter. It's, it's awesome. I love doing it. But I've got to look not just at that. I can't compartmentalize. I've got to look at every part of my life, my Friday, my Saturday, all the days of my life. And I've got to put them down and go, okay, God, is there anything I'm doing with these times that are not being used for your glory and for my good? And so I'm asking you this morning, are there things you're doing in your life that are not for God's glory and for your good? The third thing I want to know is, and I really want you to flesh this out. Like, flesh this out with godly believers around you, with a uh, life group, or with uh, 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 ladies, find a lady that can you process through this with. Men, find a man that you can process through this with. Um, I want you to process through these questions, and I want you to ask yourself, do you love anything more than God? I know you might be able to like sit down and be like, okay, okay, no. But I really want you to like process through that. What does that mean for you? Does that mean you'll believe in him no matter what? Does it mean you'll trust him no matter what? That means that whatever he tells you to do, you're going to do it no matter what. What does that mean for you when you say, I love God more than anything else? And then fourth, do you want anything more than God has given you? You've heard me say this before. Have you found contentment in what God has given you? Or do you want excess from what God has given you? And that's where you'll really recognize what your inheritance is. What you really want from eternity. If you can't see that like what is before you is greater than what you have currently, you'll start to want more currently because you don't trust what is coming for you. Right? It's like, God, get me out of this. God, give me more. And you start to doubt that what God has for you is far greater than what you have currently. And I believe this is worth fighting for. Look, you'll do, you'll do anything for something that's worth fighting for. You'll do anything for something that's worth fighting for. I mean, a, a really clear application or illustration of this would be, uh, we tell people that my wife, uh, we just had a kid on Wednesday, right? Um, so we've had uh, three C-sections. Um, and sometimes people hear that and they're like, oh, I'm so sorry you've had to have a C-section. And I'm like, hold on. Let me, let me help you think through this. My daughter, Everly, was seven years, when she was born, she's now seven years old, seven years ago, my daughter was, uh, we lost her heart rate. Uh, the doctor, um, uh, the placenta was abrupting, and the doctor made an immediate call, and within eight minutes, my daughter was out. It was an emergency C-section, but when I look back on that C-section, I don't go, man, I, so, man I'm frustrated that, that had to happen. I know it was hard on my wife, and I have more respect and, and I love her more day by day for what she's done for our children. But I give God glory that I still have my wife with me and that I have my seven-year-old girl. 
I'm not sad about that, but what we have to do is, you know, guys, there was a moment where I was in that hallway and my wife was in surgery and I didn't know what was going on. And there was no nurses coming out to me. And I've already said this, I would have done anything in that moment. And honestly, I said I would, do, I would have done anything um, up to sin, but I'm just being raw with you. I would have done anything in that moment to protect them. And uh, we need to be careful that we don't lose that passion and fight and that commitment to do what is right. To follow after your God who loves you. To let Him work in your life. Fight for it like you would fight for your children, like you would fight for your brothers and sisters, like you would fight for your parents and their life and health in your own life. Fight for it. Protect it against all of the things. Don't let the enemy creep in and get rid of all those temporary pleasures and seek what God has for you, the inheritance that is in front of you, and the guardian work to get you to where God has for you. Don't let anything get in the way of what God has for you. Because I believe eternity in heaven is better than the temporary pleasures on earth. That character on earth will give you lasting joy into eternity, but temporary pleasures will give you lasting pain on earth and into eternity. And that doing what is good in God's sight will actually be good for you in God's sight when He declares, well done, good and faithful servant. All glory, praise, and honor be poured out on this man and this woman for proving character. So my hope for you this morning as you walk away is that God's mercy strengthens your hope. That as He's extended mercy to you, it will strengthen your hope that you know what is coming so you'll live different today because your guardian is with you. That He's protecting you and keeping you until the day of Christ Jesus' return when in all glory, honor, and praise is poured out in you and you enter into God's presence for eternity and there's no more of this wickedness on earth. It's all gone. So as the band comes forward to lead us in our gospel response, I want to challenge you. Two practical things you can do. First, talk with the group that you trust. Again, like I said, maybe it's a life group or a D group. Maybe you need to reach out to a friend, someone that you can trust, and talk through these questions with them. Do you own anything that God can't use? Do you do anything that God won't use? Do you love anything more than God? It's going to be on the screen. And do you want anything more than God has given you? Put these things in front of a friend. Let them sift through them for you. Bring back what is good. Set apart what is bad. And then second, if you're in here in this room this morning, you haven't given your life to Jesus and found His great mercy, I want to encourage you in this. This passage is rich with salvation. It is dense with God's goodness and mercy and grace and salvation. And I want you to know this morning, no matter where you are and who you are, what you've done, what's in your mind, heart, or actions, no matter where you are, God is still extending grace and mercy to those who are furthest away from Him. It's 10 years, it's 15 years, it's 20 years, it's 30 years, it's 40 years you've been sitting in church. It's five years. Somebody's been praying for you. Somebody's been, man, urging you to respond to the faith. No matter where you are, you can be Zacchaeus on a tree looking for Jesus, uh, getting drunk at nights and needing Jesus to come over to your house, and there he comes. It can be Peter doubting Jesus even though he's seen him do miracles. You can be sitting here like, I've seen God work in people's lives, but I've never believed myself. No matter where you are, Jesus runs into the midst of darkness and he brings life and light to it. And so this morning, 
no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, I urge you, in view of God's mercy on the cross, to turn to Him, to believe in Him. He will protect you. He will give you strength to do what is good. He loves you. Above all else, He loves you. Don't let this world market anything else to you. He loves you. Let me pray for you. God, we love you. I trust you. I believe in you. I know that you have good for these people. I know you want good for those who are in this room. I know that you have a plan. I know that your mercy is far encompassing as far as the east is to the west. There is nothing that your mercy can't overcome. I know that your power is immense, far greater than the enemy. And I know that you can restore anyone in this room back to health and wholeness, back to your plan for them, to restore them to whatever you have for them. So I'm praying, God, that you would affix our eyes on your Son and on the inheritance that he won for us on the cross. So God, lead us into what you have for us and lead us away from this world. We love you and praise you in your son's name. Amen.
Let the darkness running out of an empty grave. Now seated alone in glory, enthroned on the highest praise. You sent the darkness running out of an empty grave. Now seated alone in glory, enthroned on the highest praise. You sent the church. Uh, God is good. And uh, remember, you're sent in the midst of darkness to light it up. I hope you have a great week and we'll see y'all again next week. You have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more about following after Jesus, uh, please contact us and we would love to talk more about your relationship with Christ and how you can grow in your spiritual journey.